You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We'll take out that 1923 previous high, and I'm looking for, for gold prices to two and a half, three, three and a half um, over the next three to four years. And I think that that looks pretty solid. I'm Bill Powers, and this is Mining Stock Education. Thank you for tuning in. I'm speaking with Barry Dawes of Martin Place Securities. He has extensive experience in corporate financing within the mining sector, having done over 30 IPOs, raised over a billion dollars Aussie over his career. He is a high-profile market commentator in, in Australia as well. He writes a newsletter called Dawes Points. He's formally trained as a geologist. He's been a researcher and analyst for large banks, and he also is a broker. So uh, Barry, who joins me today, has a multi-decade experience in all aspects of the mining sector. So I invited him on the show today to share his perspective of what's going on in gold, in mining, and in particular, educating the North American segment of my listenership so we could be up to speed about some of the key things that are occurring in the Australian mining sector. So with that introduction, Barry, thank you for coming on Mining Stock Education today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, Bill. Look, I'd like to start off with just the gold price. Now, we all know that the gold price has been moving up. And um, what I tell my clients is that we've we've sort of broken out um, after a period of um, about three months consolidation um, in our first slide. And then if we look at our second slide, we can see that we're coming up to this $1,800 mark, which to me is quite significant might take a little while to get through it um, once we move up a bit for higher. But once we get through that, um, the long term in slide three shows that um, we'll take out that 1923 previous high. And I'm looking for, for gold prices to two and a half, three, three and a half um, over the next three to four years. And I think that um, that looks pretty solid. Um, I've got a wonderful long-term graphic here from Jason Atkinson. People might follow him as um, Schism on Twitter. Um, this this long-term 100-year chart on gold looks looks really fantastic, and that um, it suggests to me that it's going to go much higher. The rationale I have in gold is that we've got 185,000 tons of gold above ground, and um, uh, about half of that is actually in jewellery and the, and about half of that is in India. Um, by the time we take the Middle East and China, um, a, a lot of that gold is really tightly held and it's not going to come into the market. What we've also seen is China and India have absorbed a lot of gold from new mine production and from the West. So I like to think that the, the West has reduced its uh, its holding um, in gold for one way or another, and it's underweight. So there's a short position. Now we can worry about COMEX or or whatever else, but at, at the end of the day, I think people are just underweight. And it was very interesting to see that um, last year uh, in the United States, so jewelry demand was the um, highest um, in about 10 years. And I think it might've been a record. So um, you know, the US um, is, is buying gold or North America is buying gold. And I like to think of gold as, as the metal of prosperity rather than the metal of crisis. Um, that might not be very popular, but that's my view. So um, when we start looking at Australia, we, um, we've we had the A dollar, which has been 
a soft against the, the US dollar and consequently the A dollar gold prices at a record level. Now we've got gold prices at record levels, I think in almost every currency, um, except the US dollar and maybe a couple of the Middle Eastern uh, currencies. But um, uh, in, in A dollars, it's it's been good and it's uh, around 2,500 A dollars. And, and that is, has been very, very good for um, the Australian mining industry. Now, um, the Australian gold stocks um, um, really bottomed in June of 2013, um, now well, be- well before the, uh, the, the North American indices and the gold price. Our gold index actually bottomed at the end of 2014. Um, so the Australian gold stocks, the, the Northern Stars and the Evolutions and the uh, Regisons and the Saracens, um, these things have actually been leading the world in this global reflation that I call and, and the, uh, tying in with the demand for gold. Um, now, um, in Australia, um, we're the second largest gold producer. Um, uh, my slide six shows uh, gold production going right back to um, 1850. Um, you had your Californian gold rushes in the Late 1840s, Australia um, had its uh, really starting in New South Wales, but quickly overtaken by Victoria. And it wasn't um, until uh, Western Australia and Kalgoorlie came in in the late um, 1890s that we saw a gold production surge. But um, by about 1920, our gold industry was pretty well dormant. And then with the gold price rising, um, in 79.80, we got a big response, a uh, very strong move in our gold production to uh, take us up to nearly 350 tonnes annualised. And I think over the next few years, we'll get um, pretty close to 400 tonnes. And if China production declines, as I think it will, um, Australia should become the number one producer. Now, for um, those those people um, who know Australia, um, and those people who don't, um, uh, uh, Australia's down under. Um, we've got some big states, and um, we've, we've got six um, states. Uh, most of our gold production comes from Western Australia, but um, historically, Victoria um, was very, very important. New South Wales is becoming more important, but um, all the but, uh, Northern Territory, South Australia, uh, Queensland uh, have their gold industries and um, these sort of tend to wax and wane a bit. We've also got a little bit down in um, in Tasmania. But um, the, there's some real excitement going on and people should understand where the Pilbara is. Now, those people in, um, in Canada will know about Novo Resources and, and this is an extraordinary discovery um, of these Pilbara conglomerates and, and uh, the alluvials that have come from that, um, Novo's done a fabulous job up there. And we've got something else which is very, very um, important in in the Pilbara, uh, the, the Melina Gold uh, Project, which is a major gold discovery, which will, will be in excess of 10 million ounces as, as we go through uh, the next few years. But the Pilbara is best known for iron ore and uh, some other minerals like that. And it's had very, very little gold but over the last um, uh, three or four years, we've seen a, a real expansion in it. The, the driver, though, um, is the Yilgarn. The Yilgarn's an old cr- cratonic area with 
with Kalgoorlie that you've probably all heard of as, as the centre of that. And um, Western Australia produces about 65% um, of Australia's gold. The other thing that you really want to be knowing about, and those people in Kirkland Lake and Fosterville South and, and so on would know um, a bit about Fosterville and Bendigo. Um, the Bendigo zone in Victoria produced 60 million ounces uh, between 1850 and um, about 1920. And it's been essentially dormant ever since, but there's a real renaissance that's underway there. And that's getting, uh, it's becoming very, very exciting. Um, you're probably aware uh, with with Fosterville, Kirkland Lake um, produced 192,000 ounces at um, um, 49 grams um, back in December quarter of last year. Um, that's probably going to be the peak in terms of grade, but um, it's going to be producing 600,000 ounces at well over 30 grams and a very, very low cost producer. So there's lots happening in Australia. So if we look at um, uh, our slide uh, number eight, this is our our mine production on a quarterly basis from our, our uh, um, Bureau of, of um, Industry. And uh, Australia, as I said, it, it sort of did 346,000 tonnes in December, and it's on its way up uh, towards 350. Um, Western Australia, um, as I said, produces about 65% uh, of Australian gold production, and that's rising as well. But we're finding that Victoria and uh, New South Wales are actually um, coming up um, and, and taking sort of market share from uh, from Western Australia. The other really important thing is that um, we have a very, very active uh, exploration industry in Australia, and, and, and some of our, our best companies uh, are in the gold sector and gold exploration. There's a lot of technology involved. There's a lot of um, intellectual thought. And um, over the past um, two decades, and the, and the last 10 years in particular, the there's been a real revolution in understanding the geology of Australia. Um, as you would know, um, Australia is an old continent, um, it, which means it has a lot of um, uh, ox oxidised um, rock um, and um, uh, cover uh, over bedrock. And um, consequently, we've had to develop our remote sensing, sensing skills um, to a very, very high degree. So um, exploration in Australia is still running um, over a billion dollars annualized, and uh, a lot of money has been raised by these companies over the last um, uh, month or so as uh, we get a bit of excitement. And so I can see the exploration numbers uh, going forward um, being much higher. Historically, um, we get about um, $50 an ounce um, finding costs. So if we're spending a billion dollars, you can expect us to uh, come up with about 20 million ounces a year uh, in new resource. And um, if we say 50% of that will go from uh, an inferred status to an indicated status and, and become mining uh, reserves, we're actually um, adding to our total overall inventory of, of gold resources because we're producing at about 11 million ounces a year. Now, the other thing that's really interesting, if you look at slide 10, uh, we've got a new um, generation of, of deeper drilling and uh, the results um, over the last 
um, six months have really been quite spectacular. Um, what this graphic from evolution of a, of a couple of years ago was basically showing that um, most of our drilling was down to 50 meters, um, 150 feet. Um, but by the time you look at the, the, the drilling that's been done right throughout the country in this just one little part west of Kalgoorlie, um, very, very little drilling has gone down below 200 metres. So we're, we're, we're finding a lot of really interesting stuff and a lot of the grades that are coming through as we go deeper are much, much higher. Uh, so that, I think, is very, very exciting. Now, <clears throat> what I'd like to um, talk about um, is one, uh, Victoria, if, if you look at our slide 11, um, this this is the action in in Victoria. Now, the Bendigo zone um, produced 60 million ounces, but um, um, historically, um, and you can see there, uh, Fosterville, uh, 4 million ounces, um, not very far away. But um, uh, everything to the north uh, of that brown line is is got quite deep cover of 15 to 20 um, meters of um, cover, so it's all blind. But do note the size of the tenements. Uh, they're very, very large. Uh, those south of the cover um, are, are more interesting, and uh, we're finding out uh, a lot about um, the Victorian gold fields. Uh, for example, uh, there's a place called Tarnagala, um, and there's one thing called the Poverty Reef. Uh, produced 330,000 ounces at um, six ounces a ton. So there's a, a lot of excitement there. The other area which is of great interest at the moment is um, the the Malina Gold Project um, in the Pilbara. And um, um, I, I think we, we're going to see something that's going to be well over um, 10 million ounces here. And there's one company that owns um, 100% of most of the area. Now, all this is being shown up in the um, uh, the Australian um, share market with our gold index. Our gold index going back to 2000. We didn't have a gold. We didn't. Well, we didn't have this gold index before 2000. But um, you can see that we're back up at that sort of 8,000 to 8,500 level. Um, and when we break through this, um, I just see uh, a very, very large inverted head and shoulders reversal pattern. Once we break through 8,500, I, I think we're going to see some very, very big numbers um, over the next um, uh, three or four years. So I think it's a pretty exciting uh, area here um, in Australia. There's some um, names that you will probably know, the Newcrests and the Northern Stars, and Evolutions and Saracens. Regis, but um, keep watching uh, some of the others that are coming up. Um, the Grays Mining, um, Kalamazoo, um, uh, have a look at a thing called Musgrave and um, and Chalice, and, and uh, these things are very very exciting stories. Barry, what do you think about Vista Gold Corp there in the Northern Territories? That's been uh, a legacy project which Vista, a, ca a Canadian and U.S. company, has advanced. Uh, what what is the perspective of you, uh, your perspective as an Australian mining analyst? Uh, that's that's Mount Todd, isn't it? Yes, Mount Todd. Yeah, look, it's it's very interesting because I think it's the biggest or second biggest undeveloped or, or non-operating -op resource. Um, 
um, in Australia. Um, doesn't get a lot of following because it's it's uh, you know not part of our our listed group here. Um, commentary is it's very very hard rock, and um, um, that really means that um, it becomes uh, expensive to um, mine and process. Um, however, um, in the gold market, price covers everything. And um, you know, if you've got twenty five hundred, three thousand a dollars, um, you can still make make money. It it'll be a very highly leveraged play for for those people in it. I don't follow it, so I can't say anything more other than what I've said. Um, I, I I think uh, people who know the company would be better placed um, than me. But um, it it is quite different um, to what we've got, and I think it's. It's been there as a large deposit because it's, it's been difficult to mine and process. How would you explain the share structure differences that we observe in the companies that list in Toronto versus in Australia? With It's, it's common to have an explorer developer with over a billion shares, whereas in Toronto we would consider that share structure overblown. Uh, what is the difference in perspective between uh, these two areas of the world? Oh, look, I think we've always talked thought of it in terms of market cap rather than the number of shares on issue um, um, uh, and, and I subscribe to that I mean it doesn't matter how many shares on issue um, and if you've got a million shares or, or, or 10,000 shares and, and the value is the same well it doesn't matter there might not be any more shareholders but you have to pay attention to how tight the float is though would you agree with that that uh point? Oh, yeah yeah I, I, I agree with that um, but you know, if you've got the same number of shareholders um, and the same market cap, but one's got 10 times or 20 times as many shares, um, I, I don't think it matters. But um, you know, the, the, what I've found in the Australian market is that uh, you know, people do like the liquidity that you can get with um, um, stocks that have a lot of shares on issue. But that also means that, that people can pick up a a one or two or three or five percent holding in the company, um, um, you know, relatively ease, easily when 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 the stock's sort of in, in a normal trading pattern. But that has the the effect of tightening it up, and and uh, once that happens, um, um, the the stock just performs like anything else. It's all about market cap. Um, it's interesting that we've got a company that uh, people. Um, in North America might be seeing a bit more of a thing called um, white rock uh, minerals. Um, it's got some assets in Alaska and um, it's got this um, uh, last chance uh, deposit, which um, Quentin Hinnick, whom many of you people would know, um, thinks it's got the, the best geochemist uh, anomaly that he's seen. Um, and it's very, very similar to that um, discovered by Pogo. Now, that, that, that company had a few billion shares. It's had 100 for one, uh, will, will have a, a 100 to one uh, consolidation um, in the coming month. And, um, um, but that stock's gone from 0.3 to, to one cent. So it'll be the equivalent of going from 30 cents to a dollar. Um, so it, it, it's 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 moving in terms of market cap and and there's been good liquidity and good market volume for people to um, to to trade that stock if they want. Um, it, 
I think we're going to see a lot of consolidations, um, but it, it's just the, the nature of the, the Australian market. Um, um, we, we, we start with a, a 20 cent share and, um, um, and because of the misery of the past decade, many of the stocks have had to um, issue uh, shares at, at ever lower prices be, um, just to, to raise capital. Um, uh, I, I know that um, many people start out with the idea of keeping the, the share um, structure very, very tight, but it's very, very hard. One company which has done a great job in doing that is a company called Catalyst Metals, which is in Victoria and, has, and that's done very, very well for our clients. Um, it's still only got about 85 million shares on issue, I think. Uh, trades at um, just under $3 a share. Um, I think they've done a, a, a very, very good good job there handling their their um, capital structure. But they've been very, very fortunate in being the prime mover, or one of the prime movers in Victoria. And they were there before um, Kirkland Lake. So, yeah, it's an issue. But um, it, it shouldn't be an issue for anyone at the end of the day if they're thinking just in terms of the market cap of the stock and the percentage ownership of the stock. Thank you for that answer. Barry, before you go, other than gold, which you're very bullish on, uh, what commodity as a mining investor uh, would you point out that we should be paying attention to? Well, look, um, I, I do like the, the concept of electric vehicles. And um, um, a lot of that depends on uh, lithium batteries and, and the lithium battery price coming down um, to, to make them... Um, competitive against uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. But I, I think sort of once once they are um, truly economically um, competitive, and, and I don't know where they're going to get the electricity from, but I, I think they will they will become very, very important. And so you come back to lithium, and, um, you know, lithium comes from brines, uh, and there's a very small amount of that, which is essentially um, – in South America and a little bit in the US and a bit in China, um, the rest comes from um, uh, lithium from uh, spodumene and pegmatites. Um, a bit higher cost structure, but Australia is, is is the leader in production there. I think lithium, um, the demand for it, it's going to rise five or six times um, over the next five to six years in a relatively short period of time. Um, I think it's one that that will have good demand in terms of volume and, and a good improvement in price. But I like copper um, and I, I like nickel and um, I, I like iron ore. Um, I think steel, um, if we get through the, the, the next um, year or so of the, of the convulsions the world's going through, there's going to be a lot more infrastructure. Steel will be very, very good. China steel productions um, maintained a very, very high level. And um, international trade at iron ore is, is still pretty tight. So um, I, I think um, you know, iron ore is going to be a, a really good place to be. And, and of course, uranium. So, But you know, I, I think uh, there's a lot to like about commodities. They've been out of favor for such a long time. Their um, replacement costs, discovery costs, uh, capacity utilization rates, inventory levels, all these are, uh, are, are low uh, relative to where they should be. And... Um, um, I think it, it, it basically is, is, is saying to me we're going to see a, a pretty impressive 
performance of commodities um, over the next decade. Excellent. I agree with that thesis. You can follow Barry on Twitter at Dawes Points and also in the description under Barry's profile, you can find his email address if you would like to reach out to him. His website also is mpsecurities.com.au and the PowerPoint uh, that Barry referenced in our discussion here, I will put a link to that in the show notes if you're listening in audio format only. So you can uh, click on that and see the visual graphics that Barry was referring to throughout this conversation. It was a huge time difference. Thank you for staying up a little later for me, Barry, and thank you for coming on Mining Stock Education today to share your insights. Thank you very much indeed, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, all the best to your your, uh, listeners and and viewers. And uh, buy gold (laughs) (laughs) and gold stocks. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.